Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? My shirt's too big. We, we were just talking off, off air. Yeah. When I, so you, you called attention to your shirt and then I commented that it was too big. Did that make you feel bad? If no, it was I called me, attention I to it because it. I felt like everyone in the room, because there is more than just you and me today. Right. I felt like everyone in the room, immediately, when I took off my, my fleece pullover from Bill's khakis, everyone in the room immediately noticed that my shirt is too big. So you and decided so you'd do that. I have to address it. That writer's trick of hanging a lantern on it. I, that's exactly like, what I did. Yeah, I I'm a aware of it, on it, is what you're saying. Well, I, I was it. really glad that you brought it up just to jump in and say hi. Because uh, when you took off your sweater, the first thing I thought of was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You're styling. You're styling with the with the oversized '90s button up. <laughs> but it's yeah. not supposed to. Now, when you say vintage, do you mean like '94, '95? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, at this point, I mean, yeah, we're pretty Wait, old. Are you That's, Carlton? Uh, I'm. I'm definitely more of a Carlton. Okay. Yeah. Than a. I, but I can dance better. Uh, I don't care how many times you say "smell you later," David. I, I see you as more of a Carlton. Yeah. Um, now we haven't introduced you yet, and no. we won't quite yet. Okay, good. I'll be serious. Because I want to get to. Um, I want to mention real quick earbuds something that's been on my mind lately yeah is earbuds and where can you get like a professional quality earbud at an affordable price every everywhere i turn i hear that question yeah you know when i'm when i'm on the bus and you know what the answer for the like the lay person the person not in the know is that you go to tweakedaudio.com right and the store and the store like everyone knows that yeah everyone knows that yeah here's the here's the tip we're gonna give you yeah the the in in this is insider trading don't don't call the Easy. SEC on us. Easy. This is this stays closed loop here. Tweakedaudio.com/pretension. You get mm-hmm. the same affordable, high quality earbuds in a variety of uh, colors and styles, and you get a third off and free shipping. Free shipping. That's Tweak, right. That's tweakedaudio.com/pretension. And a percentage of what you spend goes to uh, yes. support the show. But you You're know what? That's, inc- that's incidental. All right. I mean that it good for us we're very happy we love but really we want you to be happy we'd be doing this every week even if they weren't giving us any money we'd pay them (laughs) we'd pay them to be able to to be able to to take part in this to ride their gravy train yes exactly so uh do we have any other sponsors this week no all right well out there listening if you have something you want us to plug and you want to give us the money to do so you can find places to do that on the website. Or if you just yes. want to give us money, you can hit the donate button That's right. on the website. Uh, we love that. We really appreciate that. And, of course, if you just want to send us anything, there's a P.O. box. I like, sure I like getting stuff. I, I enjoy getting I, stuff quite at a bit. At this point, if I'm listening to another podcast and they talk about something they got in the mail, I'm jealous. Yeah, but we've gotten stuff in the mail. We should get all the stuff. We all the stuff. All the stuff that anyone is going to send to other podcasts. Oh, okay. Come to Fair us. enough. All right. Does that mean hate mail? Uh, yeah. Oh, I would love hate mail. If it's like in a letter and somebody put a stamp to it and that kind of thing, then yes, I would want that. It, here's, the, here's the difference. And again, we'll introduce you in a second. <laughs> no, don't. This is getting fun. Yeah, here's the difference between me and Tyler. Tyler obsesses over every negative iTunes review uh, and starts to convince himself that the person is right. Not every. Some of them are just so damn strange that it's just like, <laughs> all right, well, I don't know if this person's ever been right about anything. But if well, it's like something- the, the one who clearly wrote a one-star review of the Creative Screenwriting Podcast because <laughs> <laughs> he talked about Jeff Goldsmith, but it was yeah on our I, that was clearly he seemed to have gotten mixed up by the fact that it's a movie podcast and my last name is Smith. Which is half of the... With, which is half, half of Goldsmith. Yeah. And I sent an email to uh, iTunes, and uh, they haven't taken that. <laughs> um, I, on the other hand, I log into iTunes, uh, and I immediately scroll past the positive reviews just to 
<laughs> luxuriate in the negative reviews. I take, ask, a, I take a weird let me ask pleasure you this. in it. Here's a recent one. I don't know how... Honestly, I haven't looked in a while, so good for me. Yeah, neither have But uh, there's a recent one that says a certain somebody. They do not specify both of us. They say a certain somebody has too many... says too many ums and uhs. I don't know which one it is. I don't know which one it is either. All right. Well, that speaks good and ill of both of us. Well, my, my thing, as I mentioned last week now, is realizing that I say, do you know, instead mm-hmm. of you know, or you know. On the podcast, I say, do you know? In real life, I never phrase it that way. Never, ever. I don't know why I do that, and now I'm obsessed with noticing when I do it. But um, I think you and I have run out of things to talk about on our own today. Right, Tyler? I've got so many things, but you know what? It's, I feel like it's we need fun. to bring in like a, a ringer, someone to, someone to, get, to breathe some life back into this podcast. Sure. And there's someone in the room. You may have heard her voice. Uh, I didn't hear a different thing. <laughs> is it just me? Um, <laughs> this is a, a, a repeat guest. She was on back in October, and we had a wonderful response on, on Twitter and in the comment section on the, on the website. So we are very happy to welcome back Amy Nicholson. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back. Absolutely. Um, now, tell me, I, I'm trying to think, I was... I, I, I'm trying to think of like clever ways to segue into things, but tell me about writing in a tank with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I have no clever segue. Well, Just guys, a lot has happened since I was back here, and mm-hmm. I, one of them is I rode on a tank with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, it, it was, wait, a, wait, was he piloting the tank? Oh, yeah. Do you pilot a tank? Is that the right word? Oh, well, I or think do you drive a tank? steer might be. Mm. Yeah. But it, steer seems like just part of it. You you you, you sort of things. embody the tank, and then your like mojo a, makes the tank go forward. Oh, so it's like yeah. nice. Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. cool. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I like a I, mech warrior thing. I still haven't seen that uh, that trailer. I know nothing. Uh, Neither have I. Big but, big robots and stuff. Yeah, but I read. Well, this will tie into our topic actually. It once sure we will. Get there, but like I actually read a little bit of movie news and follow other movie podcasts. Mm-hmm. Tyler, you do almost none of that. Which I respect. Almost none. My reasons are uh, my own. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get into it. But that's not, the, that's not what we're getting into right now. No, not at all. Tell me about being in the tank. What kind of tank was it? Oh, not well, that I know things about, about tanks. How about this? Let's, instead of what, let's start with why. Oh, see, this is another thing. I know why. Oh, well, that's easy. Why, because... why not? <laughs> okay, you know what? Touche. That's on me, but uh, but give us some background. See, I, I, I know it because it, it has to do with this thing of being involved in the, I guess, the shameless horror selling world of junkets, and just just the fact that I follow people on Twitter who do that, and so about a quarter of the people I follow on Twitter seem to be we tweeting were all at, once. at Tank Day. <laughs> they were, it was four days um, after the New Year. Sorry, everybody. I know. It was, it was on January 4th, so it was like really the best way that I could have ever imagined starting off 2013. It's me, my favorite, my favorite junketeer people, all piling out to, to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger drive a tank and then ride on the tank. And uh, this is for The Last Stand, a movie in which there, there's no tank at all. There are no tanks. So it's sort of a gratuitous tank ride. But the important thing... No such thing. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> the important thing about this tank is that it is actually Arnold Schwarzenegger's tank. <laughs> <laughs> and not only is it his tank that he has owned since, I think he bought it, he said, around 1990 for a Planet Hollywood. He was going to erect it in the Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, and the, and the, um, and the restaurant never came together. But Are not there only, still Planet Hollywoods? I think so. Maybe like in Brazil? I've been to one 
in Paris. Well, that's probably why they don't exist, is you <laughs> stop showing your support. <laughs> I'm just not in Paris yeah. that often. But no, Sorry. even okay. cooler than that, even cooler than the fact that this is his tank that he owns, is the fact that this is the same tank that Arnold Schwarzenegger drove when he was in the Austrian military when he was 18. Oh. He spent a year driving a tank around, and then uh, when he got rich and powerful, bought that same exact model tank. Maybe the same exact tank, because there's not actually that many of them alive left. Uh-huh. And had it shipped to California. And then he put it on a ranch, the same ranch where they shot Django Unchained. Uh. And he just comes out there and he drives inner city kids on it. And then sometimes useless bums like me. So, wh- yeah, where was this? Where was the... It wasn't too far. It was a, it's a place, I think it's called Melody Ranch. It's about 45 minutes north of Los Angeles. Okay. It's kind of like a dusty, fake Wild West town where they shoot a lot of Western stuff. They shot um, some of the scenes from... Uh, Oh, Deadwood. Oh. Deadwood there. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that was kind of awesome. I'm a huge Deadwood nerd. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, he, like, walked us around the tank and showed us things. By the way, to set the stage, Arnold Schwarzenegger is wearing these mirrored sunglasses when he walks up and a plaid shirt. And he's wearing these weird shoes that are, like, dress shoes, but with, like, an athletic sole on the bottom. They're, like, a neon orange dress shoe on, at the, on, on the bottom. And he's got this bracelet that's made of tiny silver skulls. I tried to count <laughs> ten of them. And it's just on his chain, and he has a cigar in his mouth almost the whole time. A lit cigar? Lit cigar. Lit cigar. He does very little talking, and I think the cigar was a reason that he wouldn't have to talk. It's kind of like a prop. Uh-huh. And then the few times he had to talk, there was this guy named Rolf, and he would come up and hold the cigar for him, <laughs> and then he would give him the cigar back. But he showed us around this tank for a little bit, and he showed us like this part that looked like rust, but it was actually where they used to cook their food during the Austrian huh. uh, uh, during their Austrian uh, tour of duty. And they would, like, cook steaks and stuff on there. And uh, I was reading that, actually, Arnold Schwarzenegger barely ate meat until he joined the military. And then he could afford meat for the first time. Wow. And that's where he gained a lot of his muscle, is that year he spent driving a tank around. So did you get to ask many questions directly of Arnold Schwarzenegger? I got to high-five him. I got to try to talk to him, and then he would stare at me from behind his sunglasses and look just confused. Or I guess I I would assume he looked confused behind the glasses. And you're assuming he's looking at you. I was assuming he was looking at me. I was pretty I was pretty in, in his face. There was a point when uh, we all had to pose one-on-one for pictures, and I sort of unthinkingly like slapped him twice on the pectoral and said, thanks, as I walked away. <laughs> and then I felt a little awkward about that. He just, but he just, he just, you know, he's like a statue. He's like a really, really intimidating statue. Um, did he, uh, was, there's no live am- ammunition in the tank. No, but it did have the cannon on it, which is, I think, like a 13-foot cannon, and it had it pointed towards the back. Oh, oh, but I forgot the coolest part, is, like, he loved driving this tank around. We're all, like, standing on the tank, because there's not a lot of room inside. So we're standing on the tank, and he's, like, going really fast. Uh-huh. And he's, like, driving under these tree branches, and we all have to duck down, because, like, otherwise we would get slapped in the face with this and then get knocked off the tank. Uh-huh. And, um... After we all do our laps, and he's just, he's clearly having the best time. He drives this tank like it's a Ford Focus. Like, uh-huh. it's just nothing. Um, then, all the journalists got off the tank, and there was this old vintage Mercedes station wagon. Uh-huh. And he, like, takes the tank in another loop, and then takes it towards the station wagon, and just, like, crushes the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he was happy. Like, just grinning. You know, regardless of what people might think about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's films, or... What he is, you know, how he is as a as a husband, which I would venture to say is not great. Uh, as a governor, he's a great all, boss, though. If you work for him, uh, I guess so. If, yeah, I mean, like if you're like his nanny. Yeah, if you enjoy, you know, having sex with your boss. But uh, but yeah, uh, all of this is like the best thing. 
Like, mm-hmm. I, I love it. Let me I, ask you this. I'm even okay with him having his little cigar valet there. But uh, <laughs> His cigar valet was also a Mr. Universe. I did some research. <laughs> did anyone ask him any um, political questions? I think that was part of the genius of Tank Day, is you couldn't ask him anything because the tank was so loud. Oh, nice. I see. Okay. Now I'm going to play hard-hitting journalist here. Okay. jeez. Oh, Amy, before we started recording, I was talking about movies... 2013 movies that I didn't like that much. And I had said that I didn't think The Last Stand was that great. And you jumped in to defend it. How much is Tank Day playing a role in your defense of The Last How much did the junket work? I can tell you with a straight face that the first half of The Last Stand is pretty slow. But when they start exploding heads left and right, and when he gets into this fight with a guy who looks... Like, the villain in The Last Stand, for people who haven't seen it, looks exactly like Pau Gasol, uh, who's, you know, the Lakers, uh, the, the big a man. shorter Pau Gasol. Gasol. Yeah, a shorter Paul. Um, isn't everybody a shorter Paul Gasol? <laughs> right. But you put Peter Stormare with a crazy accent in a movie that just explodes everything, and I'm an action fan to begin with. Mm-hmm. I was I was already inclined to like this movie because it's directed by the Korean director who did uh, The Good, Bad, and The Weird. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is I sold myself. No, uh, what I'm saying is I spent the whole movie watching, waiting for a tank. Felt a little bit bummed out that there wasn't a tank at the end. <laughs> There's this awesome Corvette. If you're into cars, I think it's probably a good... Yeah. I'm not really into cars. You're not really into cars? No, I'm not into cars, but I'm a big fan of Gatling guns. Does this film have anything (laughs) for me? Dude, it has a gun that is so impressive, they just call it the gun. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like the most insane, machinery-heavy film I've seen in a while. Like, There's a part where a guy gets thrown off a building, and they just can't resist not shooting the guy. They shoot the guy while he's falling to his death already, just because. It's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, that section of the film is, I think, really good. It's stellar, and it's a long section of the film. Maybe it didn't feel as long to me. Because it was so wonderful? Maybe because everything leading up to it felt so long. I Like, none of the, like, Paul Gasol driving the car, all the, like, car chase and car stunt stuff didn't work for me. Well, that's because you don't like cars. Maybe that's it. I mean, I don't dislike cars. I like my car. I'm just saying I'm not, like, into cars. I mean, this car is pretty cool. It has a horsepower of a thousand according sure, to the movie sure. which I think is technically fictional I like looked it up afterwards well they say it's modified yeah it is not the it's the I, I, if you asked me the week after I saw the film I'd be able to tell you what kind of car it was but I can't remember now uh, well I looked up and the highest horsepower car that's on the market right now is 697 so this is like a third cooler than that <laughs> I mean this car is so fast in this movie that and it opens up with like it zooming by a cop and the cop thinks that the car is a plane so, okay, yeah, this worked for you because you have, clearly have certain interests. <laughs> because I'm clearly a 13-year-old awesome. boy. Now, now, what I find interesting uh, about it is that the film opened 10th oh, at so the box sad. office. Like, that is crazy. And I, and I do think that it, it's, it was one of those movies that uh, where everyone was like, okay, is Schwarzenegger, you know, he's older, he's been not a movie star for a while now and like is he still viable and i'm in i'm interested to know if he's if he's ever going to be in a movie again like opening at 10th and if the and if the movie had come out 10 15 years ago it would open at one i'm sure if the movie had come out 10 15 years ago it would have been at paramount or universal or something and not Lionsgate, and would have had a much bigger publicity push that's true but still, uh, like Schwarzenegger is still a name, and, and you know you talk it, it did, you talk to anybody, and this will bring it. This could actually bring us into the topic. Not that I'm suggesting I'm not ready it, for the topic. But like you know, you talk to anybody, and they would know that there's a new Schwarzenegger movie coming out, whether they're big into movies or not. Uh, but he did not seem to draw people. 
And I, uh, I was surprised because um, it did get a pretty good response from critics, probably because most of them got driven around in a tank. You're so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> um, yeah, because I was at my office job reading reading tweets about people seeing a car get run over by a tank. I, that was I was jealous about that. More jealous about yeah, the car, seeing the car thing. I might not be into like cars and that kind of action movie stuff, but destruction. Mm-hmm. I like seeing stuff. You get, and I should go to a monster truck rally. I've never been to one. I feel like we'd enjoy it. Yeah, I mean they. They sell beer. I, well, there you go. I'm pretty much okay with any place that I can drink at. I don't drink. I have to assume it'd be just as fun dead sober, right? <laughs> I don't know that anything is. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I was surprised because it did get a good response uh, from critics. Um, and also, I, it seemed like the perfect counter-programming to you know, what, everything else that's in theaters is you know, award season stuff. And mm-hmm. I felt I had the same sort of surprise... Uh, that Jack Reacher wasn't a bigger hit because it also has a huge name and is a a pretty decent action movie. I'd say mm-hmm. it's uh, better than The Last Stand. Um, and uh, solid reviews backing that up, too. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Did you like uh, Jack Reacher? I did. I had a lot of conflicted feelings about it because I'm a huge fan of the book series. I've read oh, okay. all 17 of them. And is that really how many there are? Yeah, 17. Yeah. And they're fantastic. They're like the best airport thrillers you could ever read in and your life. And this isn't even the first one. It's like the ninth one, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a kind of strange one, I thought, to start with. But the whole time I've been reading them, I've been wanting these to be films for so long, and I always thought the only person who could play Jack Reacher, you know, a six foot five, two 250-pound, frightening ex-military guy, would be Michael Shannon. And oh, so okay. Michael Shannon's always been in my head, and there's just no way Tom Cruise could quite gel, but... I think if I could have had my brain erased and watched it from from scratch, I would have liked it even a little bit better. Does and I am that person. Um, does the does the Jack Reacher in the book have the same sort of uh, uh, sort of acidic and cruel and blunt but flowery way with words, or is that something that Christopher McQuarrie brought to it? He absolutely does. He's okay. always right. And he always knows more than everybody in the room. And he, I, I think that turned off a lot of people to the character, but reading it, it's great. Like, you reading those books, you really dive into his thought. Like, that was one thing I was worried about with this movie, is so much of the, mov- of the book is Reacher walking around this small town and thinking it out. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that here without, like, annoying voiceovers. They just have Tom Cruise walking around quietly, which is... A, a little bit strange, but the the mental process is part of the fun of the books. It's like a living Sherlock Holmes. Hmm. Uh, that was uh, Tasha Robinson of the uh, AV Club, who admittedly is somebody I don't often agree with, but uh, her review was, I think, a negative one. I think it was like a C, C minus maybe, um, and said that the thing that bothered her about it was precisely what you're talking about, that like he's... the I believe the way she put it, I liked it a lot. He's the best at all the things. Yeah. Thinking, fighting, running, shooting, he's the best one. He really, at this point, like, any kind of suspense is removed. It's really just, like, who is going to die around him? Not that you ever think he's going to die, but, but like, he's he's always going to win. This is why I was reminded of Mickey Splane in my camera, because it feels like he's almost through, like, sheer, just unstoppable, unquestioned self-confidence has willed that to be so. He's the best because he exudes being the best, and then everyone just bends to that. Although, admittedly, says, nobody would ever say Mike Hammer was the smartest guy in the room or has a flowery way with language. Um, I, having read Mickey Spillane and hating it, um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I did, upon hearing about Jack Reacher, because I wasn't aware of the book series at all, which I feel bad about, but uh, it sounded a lot like a better Mickey Spillane, <laughs> um, which sounds good to me. Um, 
but I wanted to bring up uh, uh, again tying into the last stand um, car chases. There's a there's a car chase in Jack Reacher that I think is awesome, and I don't again I don't know much about cars, but Christopher McQuarrie makes a choice to make the entire time the car chase the engine of Jack Reacher's car is so loud. It's <laughs> so like, loud. It's like all you're hearing is just and then you hear every sort of turn and when he like stops and backs up and changes direction like the the car sounds are it, it, it reminded me of the chainsaw in Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> yes. when he's chasing her through the woods and I, I really like Ever that present. choice. Yeah. yeah. It's so tactile and you hear like it crashing into things. You hear all uh-huh. the scrapes. Like I really I really hope that films like Jack Reacher and The Last Stand one other thing they have in common that kind of ties into that is they're just really physical, you know? Like, there's a, a last, the last scene in Arnold Schwarzenegger's The Last Stand where he's fighting Pau Gasol on the bridge, who's just going to be Pau Gasol from here on. Yeah. It's like a... Little, little Pau Gasol. Little Paul. <laughs> it, it's like, it's like a seven-minute fight that's like tendons and blood and stabbing, and it's so slow. It's not just like this kind of mindless mowing down of people. Like, we're getting back into, like, the crunch of glass and metal, and we're getting back into, like, you know, knives hitting bones and people getting their ankles severed and, like, those that really visceral body horror stuff. Yeah, yeah. Most that age. Thing. Yeah, it's so, that 80s course, thing. We were uh, talking. Schwarzenegger will, Schwarzenegger will bring it with him. We were talking with uh, our, our friend comedian Mike Schmidt when mm-hmm. last time he was on the show about Lethal Weapon and the moment at the end with the like you want to shout at the title and it's just them like facing off. And I felt that same thing with with Jack Reacher when I mean I don't want to spoil things when he's got the like uh, the sort of main henchman at the end and he's got him dead to rights. So he had the gun pointed at him and then he drops the gun because like this is serious, this is personal. I mean he's gonna. He's going to beat the shit out of him. He's going to beat him to death and drink his blood from a boot. See, now that's the <laughs> line of any movie in 2012, by the way. See, now that's the difference between a Jack Reacher and a Mike Hammer. Mike Hammer would kill, would shoot somebody in the face just for being communist. Yeah, that's a thing I read. <laughs> yeah. That, now, admittedly, the guy had put, this man had put a, a woman in danger. And by the way, it was like the first 10 pages. Uh, yeah, I think this, we've talked about this story before. Probably. But Amy he's hasn't still, heard it. He's still upset, clearly. <laughs> it's, have you read a lot of Mickey Spillane? No, I have haven't. Have you seen Kiss Me Deadly? Kiss Me Deadly I think I read it's one Mickey Spillane, but I can't quite remember. How, yeah. Are there other Mike Hammer movies besides Kiss Me Deadly? Yeah, there's, uh, like, uh, Armand Asante played Mike Hammer. I think, believe Stacey Keach played Mike Hammer uh, right. a couple okay. of times. Yeah, um, I, think I, did I don't remember, remember the names of them. I, I the Jury, I think, is, is okay. one that has been made. But, uh, but yeah, that in the first ten pages, Mike is uh, just walking down the street, probably looking for someone to kill. And uh, then this woman runs past him, and this, this person, this guy is chasing him. So the, Mike basically neutralizes the guy. But the guy's still alive, and that can't happen. And so he like looks. At, so he finds out that this guy's like part of like a like a communist, uh, you know, uh, organization or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be enough. Yes, like certainly save the woman. But the communist part is what earned this man death. And so there's this horrific because it's all first person. Uh-huh. There's this horrific thing where there's they're on a a bridge in New York, and and he says. Uh, he says, I put, it, I put the gun in his face, I gave him a second to realize he was about to die, and I pulled the trigger. And it's like, <laughs> oh, that is, admittedly, it's kind of brilliant, but it's also just like, do you want me to like this person? Because I'm pretty sure he's the worst one. So... Well, um, okay, there's no easy way to get into the... To, I'm, I'm bad at... This is bad at segue episode for me. Um, is that the title? Yeah, that's what I'm going okay. to put, bad at segues. But I'm going to spell it like the rolling contraption Fair enough. Uh, thing. Um, okay, so I... Uh, there were a number of things that brought this up, but um, one of the 
recent things was just I mentioned listening to other podcasts and um, I was listening to I think it was the Rope of Silicon podcast or Brad and Laramie at the movies which mm-hmm. is Laramie Legal and Brad something um, I would listen to all the time and I uh, can't, can't tell their voices apart and I don't know Brad's last name anyway um, and they were they were talking about um, uh, a number of other things in, in the past week one of them was, was uh, they were talking about the movie Lincoln and um, talking about it from a point of view of defending it. And among, with Tyler being an exception, among people I know, it's almost a consensus that Lincoln is really good. I mean, maybe not perfect, but really good. I give it a B. I I didn't personally respond to it, but I like it. And and, and so it just got me thinking of uh, other things beyond that, because... Here, I'll go back even further. I was, uh, we're not that far removed from the holidays. I was home in St. Louis for the holidays, and I, uh, I love my family, but it's gotten to the point where... I generally, uh, essentially, people who aren't like us, who don't watch movies and think about movies like all the time, I almost don't want to talk about movies with them anymore because I don't know how to. Because I'm either like saying something that is like more involved than they care about, or I'm like listing all the reasons that they shouldn't have liked The Hobbit as much as they did, or, or something like that. Uh, or and the, I, and or I just feel like least. a joy kill, or, or I, I just don't feel. A part of it, and I, you, uh, I mean, you, uh, Amy, you do this for a living. You don't have an office job like I do. Tyler works out of the home, so yes. you probably guys probably don't even run into every single day like people who aren't big movie people just talking about movies, which is their that's their prerogative, that's their right. But I don't know how to handle it. I can't get in on a conversation like that. And so then I was thinking, uh, so that's going back further. And I was thinking, listening to Brad and Laramie's podcast that. Even among film geeks, there are some people uh, who I feel like I can't relate to. We've had guests on this show, including very recently, I won't say who, um, but who have said things that I just flat out disagree with. Is it Amy? Uh, Wait, wait a second. No. Just things that I flat out disagree with, but we're coming from such a different standpoint Mm -hmm. on love of movies. Like, this is a person who loves movies... I'd say nearly as much as as uh, the three of us do, um, but has a point of view that is maybe I don't know. In in my snobby opinion, maybe a little more pedestrian, or maybe just a little more focused on perhaps elements. mainstream is what we should say. I like pedestrian. I know you do, and that's and <laughs> as somebody who who's How about probably run parochial. A bit. Oh, no. <laughs> um, anyway, so I just don't say anything because we're coming from two completely different points of view. That it's almost not worth having the conversation and so there's uh i I said there are a number of factors there's also you know tyler you and i were talking off mic a while ago about the whole uh pauline kale i don't know anything who i don't know anyone who voted for richard nixon thing Mm -hmm. you know and it's like i think about my friends i don't know anyone who saw taken two (laughs) you know you probably saw it right because you're an action fan yeah i was about to figure out if i was a friend or not (laughs) (laughs) uh you had to be on the show three times before uh, you're a friend Okay, well, then you have an acquaintance. <laughs> yeah, okay, I have an acquaintance. No, I, I'm joking. Uh, of course, we're the best of friends. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, I just got to thinking about how does this... We live as movie geeks in echo chambers within echo chambers within echo chambers. How does that affect the way we think about movies? And for those of us, like the three of us, who write about movies, either professionally or semi-professionally... Um, how does that affect the way we write about it? So that's that was my those are all the factors going into my idea for what this episode was going to be about. And Amy, when I mentioned it to you, you seemed 
very interested in the idea. So yeah. what, were you, what were your thoughts on the topic? Well, I think it's I think it's a, a massive thing. And but honestly, I want to jump back a second to something you said. I really like talking to the normals about what they think about movies. <laughs> I find it so refreshing. That I think it's because doing what we do, being on Twitter all day, well, we, we, you and I care about Twitter people, unlike you. But um, <laughs> I have a Twitter. <laughs> That's the same. I like getting that head check where you realize that, you know, what we think is the biggest movie story of the week or what we think is like the topic most, you know, spending 140 characters on arguing about all day and day in and out. It doesn't matter at all to other people. You know, I like that kind of head check of being reminded that. You know, back in Kansas, people care about different movies than we do. They care about different stories. They care about different actors. Because I'm also really interested in in the numbery box office sort of zeitgeist mm. thing of what do normal people care about. And sometimes I feel like the more we stay in our own pod, the less we are connected to that. And I I get listening. Like I listen to. Um, uh, I feel like this came up on the podcast before but i was listening to uh the best show on wfmu a radio show slash podcast that i am a huge fan of and the call screener was talking a few weeks ago about the hobbit movie and he said um i heard it's actually going to be two movies now and this was just a few weeks ago and like that got like is exactly what you're talking about like we've known it was supposed to be two movies a while ago it's been three movies for like eight months or something yeah we got <laughs> infuriated about two movies <laughs> yeah like nine months ago. ago yeah um uh and so that was a bit of a, a head check but i and 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 I totally, I enjoy that too. But I, I guess it, the difference is being in the conversation, holding a conversation with someone who who has, and I don't want this to sound, like this came up years ago um, where I mentioned a coworker and I was probably in a bad mood. Who, oh yeah. Her point of view on The American, the film, um, the George Clooney film directed by Anton Corbin, is that right? That sounds right. Um, and how... Um, I loved that movie, and she was talking about it in a way that, like, seemed completely, again, pedestrian to me. And so I, I and I, and I was annoyed, and I maybe was too well, mean on the podcast. At, so the t- I, at the time, you had not seen the film, but you just everything she was saying. Oh yeah, that's right. The thing that people got mad at you about. And by the way, I, I don't like this line of logic. But they said like, you haven't seen the movie, but you're getting mad at the things she says, and it's just like, you know. You do, and, and this is not maybe not the best analogy. You don't need to have seen a game to be bothered by the person who roots for the best uniform. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. It's and that's that's the. But that's still, the thing. I, I still do think if I went back and listened to that, I might be embarrassed by the way that it came across because I was yeah. probably in a bad mood. So I want to say right now, I'm not like when I talk like Amy. You refer to them as normal people. We're joking here, but like we don't have any <laughs> la- we don't have any less respect for them for not loving. Well, movies. no, and if we call them normals, it means what are we? <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, well, special, but in like a good way. <laughs> I was gonna go abnormal, but okay. Yeah, but I wanted to get away from that. We're like um, chosen, maybe. Yeah, golden children. Yeah, yeah, that's what we are. I might uh, go self-selected crazy people. <laughs> I was uh, gonna say awesome. I mean, that's all right. <laughs> so let me get back to to both of you. Uh, how do you carry on a conversation? Not just listen to people's opinion. How do you carry on a conversation about a movie if Again, I'll go back to The Hobbit. You know, my, my my cousin, who I think is a great guy, really loved The Hobbit and was talking about, like, that he just liked the he liked the sword fights and he liked the creatures. And I have no problem with that, but I don't know if I start talking to him about my problems with the movie in terms of, of, of pacing and tone and my technical reservations about the high frame rate thing. We're, it's, we're having two different conversations at that point. 
You are. He probably thinks you're really boring. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> or, he does. Or a know-it-all. That's something that I that I got uh, a, for a long time is, uh, you know, you think you're very smart. You're a know-it-all. Like, you know, why can't you just uh, – like when I, when I worked at uh, – Let's see, summer of 2003, I was working at the Campbell 16 in Springfield, Missouri. So, ostensibly, I'm there with a bunch of people who probably like movies. They work at the movie theater. Uh, not the case, in fact. And, um, and so I, there was this one girl who apparently my tone was a little rough. And uh, no rougher than it normally is, by the way. But she wasn't used to me just... She wasn't used to people just being as negative or as positive as I was about movies that she also has an opinion on. Like, oh, I really like that. I was like, I didn't really like it. Oh, why not? And then I told her why not. And she seemed to really take take it very personally. And uh, so movies were imper- important to her, but not so important that like she was willing to to think about them a different way. And because I was, that doesn't make me better. But like she got very defensive and then I got defensive of course uh, and basically said you know who are you to that pops up a lot who are you to say that you're right. the arbiter well, of taste it's a delicate thing because people can yeah. always go back to that argument of is there an absolute truth on a film blah 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 because I, I actually though think that if you ask anybody that you run into like anybody we could go we could go to Target right now anybody we ask is going to say they love movies there's Let's not a do single that, person who, I love Target Target's the best <laughs> yeah everybody I need to pick loves up some movies. socks <laughs> I also want to get one of those armbands to put my iPhone in when I run. Nice. Because I need to start running again. I was about to say, like, way to brag that you run, and then I realized that the end of that is that you don't yet. <laughs> no, I, I, here's, the, here's the thing. I had a gym membership. I bought a car, cut the gym membership to pay the car payments, thinking, like, I'll, I also get a dog. I'll get my exercise walking the dog. And I've gotten some exercise, but I have... You should run to the car. Since buying, <laughs> since buying my new car in May, I have definitely put on weight. Or you should just get rid of the car and walk to work. Well, I actually don't drive to work. I take the train and the bus. But Amy, I interrupted you. You were talking about we go to Target. You talk to anybody, they'll say they like movies. Everybody likes movies. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody will say that they love movies. And in fact, yeah. I, I think that we're so used to the of criticism and that being who we are that we forget that there are probably a huge swath of people out there that their favorite movie of all time is The Princess Diaries. You know, mm-hmm. and they love that movie. And their love for that movie is as much as our love for, you know, what, like, you loved Cloud Atlas, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, like, they love that movie as much as you love that movie. And at least you guys can agree on love, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. I have a weird, like, thing. Like, if anyone's favorite movie, like, came out, like, less than ten years ago, <laughs> it, it, I'm almost like, really? Like, I worked at the Arclight very briefly in early 2007, and there were people whose favorite movie was Crash from 2005, directed by Paul Haggis. Because, you know, uh, the Arclight, by the way, I should say to people who don't, aren't from here, on your badge on the Arclight, it says you have to pick what your favorite movie is. Uh, that sounds really agonizing. What did you pick? Barton Fink. I have a did go-to. You, did you mean it? Did yeah, you mean I, it's, it's my good. It. It, and it's not that I think it's the greatest movie of all time, but we, we just talked about this with Julian McCullough uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, it was a movie that I sort of stumbled upon when I was in like eighth grade because it looked like a comedy and I liked John Goodman and it was so weird that it just blew it just opened up huge doors and windows in my mind and it's the movie that sort of spurred me right. to get into cinema. So, so maybe all of the relatives that you're really condescending towards just haven't seen their Barton Fink yet. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the here's That's the thing that I wanted to I wanted to but, say about your uh, your attitude. Well, I, which let's I, talk and, about which, your attitude. Which I'm sure you I'm sure you acknowledge that like. 
if somebody said there will be blood or something like that. But even so, like, what if somebody, because as you know, every few years I will make my top 100 list and there will be a movie that I've seen recently. It doesn't have to be a recent film, but I've seen it recently. I've seen it like in the last six months or something. I was like, man, I really loved that movie. I'll put sure I'll put that on the list, um, and then if I were to make it again, uh, who knows? So it's not necessarily about maybe it's less about what like movies that have come out in the last ten years so much as movies that you have seen recently and are thus fresh in your mind. Okay, I mean, I was when I said that I was I was meaning to like be a bit self deprecating. No, I know. About, like, I, I assumed as much. How, how snobbish I can be. Uh, but See, your point um, about going to Target reminded me, like, one of the things, one of the main things that Tyler and I became friends over is not just being movie geeks, but being huge comedy nerds. Mm-hmm. And so that's something we run into. Like, no one ever says, I don't like comedy. You have to be, like, you have to be insane to not like comedy. So it's hard to even have... Comedy is even harder, I think, to have the discussion about because people don't even view comedy as having different genres or different types. Or yeah. It's... And anyway, yet, that's neither here nor And yet there. it's also one that I feel even stronger about than movies because, I mean, you, you, you see a bad comedy. Oh, it's infuriating. It's, it's, I recognize it, that objectively there are worse things in life. But you see this and you're like, how did these people think this was funny? It, the people that made it, the people that greenlit it, the people that watched it and enjoyed it. Just like, how, how is this possible? I can see almost anybody's point of view on a movie. But when it comes to like laughing at just the most generic just CBS sitcom horseshit. Like, it's, I don't look down on that person. I just cannot, I can't relate to them on that instance. I had that, uh, this is going to sound snobbish again, I had that reaction at my screening of Moonrise Kingdom where everyone's just guffawing and it's just like, well, didn't you get all this out of your system the last five movies that Wes Anderson did the that's, exact yeah, same that's a diff- fucking that's a different, thing? That's a different laugh. And there's some genuine <laughs>, laughs in Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, so yeah. services, come on. Uh, and yeah, pretty much anything with Bruce Willis and Edward Norton is awesome. Yeah. And uh, I want to see a movie. I want them to become like a, a like, a, like, team? Yeah, <laughs> like a Tracy and Hepburn. I want them to do a series of romantic comedies. A magical deadpan Tracy and Hepburn. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're off topic far enough. Uh, I mean, one thing. I mean, do you guys have this this moment? I feel like I have this almost every time I go to a screening with with other critics around. Is you sit through this movie. Maybe you feel positive about it. Maybe you feel negative. Maybe you're mixed. You walk out, and then there's that one person you know who makes a beeline to tell you how much they hated it. Oh. And the, the, I, I, it, it terrifies me. I we, hate coming out of that spell where you're still trying to figure out what you think, and a critic already, one of your critic friends wants to be like, shitty, right? And like high-five you about it. I, I feel like it totally bursts my bubble when I'm still trying to figure out my own brain. I almost yeah. did that with you when we went and saw Struck by Lightning. Which would have been totally fair, actually. I, I know. But you know what? It was one of those, like, I think you were already talking to other people and I had somewhere to go. But it's just like, I was so angry I wanted to share it with somebody, but I also thought, like, you know, like, it's two minutes after the movie is over. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe she really responded. And also, I'm just generally very antisocial, so nobody ever comes up to me, but I do yeah, overhear Yeah, you people. say you're, you're critic friends. It's very rare that I see someone yeah. at a screening that I... I'm not going to talk to the old lady with the Tupperware, you know, <laughs> who brings her own, like, you know, Cobb salad or something. Oh, is that the lady who's barefoot all the time, too? Uh, I, I, I never her. look at her long enough to, uh-huh. to be able to see that. Yeah. You know she always sits in the back. You know how I will talk to... Uh, it's been forever since I've talked to them, but do you know the uh, YouTube, the video series, um, Two Jews on Film? No. Do you know those two? Mm-hmm. They're like a married couple, and um, yeah, I'll use my girlfriend's words because she's Jewish. She said that they are very Jewy by my girlfriend's <laughs> um, estimation. You, you, people and, can't see this, but he basically did air quotes 
while he was trying to even explain that. that, that not- yeah, because I feel weird saying that because I don't have a place to say uh, It's not my place to say that, but it's just that was my girlfriend's description of them. They rate um, films based on uh, one, uh, or one, uh, one to five bagels. <laughs> they are awesome. They are an adorable couple. She loves everything. He hates everything. And their, their uh, reviews are so much fun to watch. Uh, and they are very fun to talk to. And usually she will just just start talking if you're sitting next to her and i and i appreciate that i like them anyway but i don't have that many there aren't people that i see that i talk to there's like maybe some nods like yes we see each other a lot but i don't like talk to people about movies because i don't like having an opinion on a movie right away no but i'll tell you um uh and it's one of those things you talk you guys talked about star lightning being justified um at my side effects screening recently which i hated hated that movie it's like i mean it's early on but it is strong high in the running for worst movie of 2013 um in my opinion you're just mad there wasn't more naked channing tatum uh yeah that, i mean that's that's the th- kind of thing you go for you know yeah you like cars i like that's my big big problem with struck by lightning is there wasn't enough <laughs> naked, naked channing, channing tatum, tatum. <laughs> um but uh the person who did that who immediately had an opinion by the way, it was Leonard Malton who like <laughs> leaned over to his friend who was, he was behind me and his friend was like er, right in front of me and he like sort of sarcastically said like I think we all learned a very valuable lesson, which <laughs> 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 is very funny. But the worst one, okay, and I say I don't mind like calling out Leonard Malton because what he said was funny and right. The worst thing, and I'm saying this mostly for your benefit, Amy, and for listeners who didn't listen just uh, just a few weeks ago when I talked about this. I guess over a year ago when I went to a screening of The Woman in Black. Um, uh, don't remember who directed it, but starring Daniel Radcliffe. Did you see this? Yeah. Um, literally, oh, literally the second, the second, the the end titles came up. The guy in front of me stood up, turned to his friends, and said, "No points for Gryffindor." <laughs> and I wanted to fucking strangle him because he clearly. And as as Amy would say, it would have it would have been justified. Mm-hmm. He clearly had that like locked and loaded at least since that afternoon like he he knew he wanted to use that he'd been waiting for the time like as soon i want to be the first person to have an opinion of this movie because my opinion is so fucking funny what if the film had been great would have been like he caught the snitch or something like that (laughs) i think he would have said that anyway because woman black isn't awful it's not great but it's not it's just a lot of walking up and down hallways there's a lot of that yeah Yeah. but there are some good um I, i i i really appreciate this is getting off topic, but horror movies like the thing that mama did that I didn't like very much is a lot of the sort of jump scares, like sudden appearances. Um, woman in black does the thing that I, that is more effective to me. Like there's a part it's broad day out, daylight. He's supposed to be at this, like off on this Island where the tide has come in and no one else can get to where he is. It's the, where the house is. It's an Island during the day when the tide's in and then you get back out once the tide goes down and he's supposed to be alone. He looks out the window and there's a woman in black just standing in the yard. It's bright daylight and she's just standing. And then she looks up the window at him. That is a lot more subtle. It's not like trying to jump or be loud and, those those kind of scares affect me more, so I think that's why I liked mm-hmm. the one in black a little more than Mama. Okay, so <laughs> I to be dismissive. Okay, okay, got it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, moving on. Um, yeah, I wanted to tell this story, and I thought that this would be a good episode in which to tell it. And I'll be I'll be uh, doing a, a mini sode for more than one lesson about this. But uh, I know that for me, living in that bubble. 
because while I may not listen to like other movie podcasts, like you know, I do follow people on Twitter. I do read articles from time to time. And most um, of your social social circle. Oh yeah, and pretty much everyone I know loves film, and so uh, so I know that I feel a great deal of pressure to like certain movies or not like certain movies. You know, um, and for example. I, Amy, when you were last on, how insulted did I feel that you uh, dismissed Moneyball, my favorite movie of last year? <laughs> Quite a bit. As I recall, uh, you not... slashed my tires. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, and so, um, so yeah, and, and of course, but that's that's me. That's that's who I am. And for example, when I, I recently, David had to put up with a late night call from me because I saw Holy Motors. Now, had I seen the movie... When I was supposed to and had not gotten stuck in traffic, I would have seen it before there was so much freaking buildup about it, you know, back in like October, November or something like that, maybe even earlier. And uh, but as it is, I saw it like the last opportunity I could see it in Los Angeles. And by this time, critics, you know, loved it. So it was like, this is the best movie of the year, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I went in and knowing who I am, knowing my sensibilities, I'm like, oh, man. I, I I feel like I'm not gonna like this. Like I, I this is gonna be, oh boy, this the the, <laughs> the fraud factor is gonna be gonna be big tonight. And so um so I went and saw it, and uh, there are parts of it that I thought were. Uh, we should say the fraud factor is you being convinced you're a fraud when you don't like something all the other critics like. Yes, which um, is silly. Or if I haven't seen something that everybody has seen. I take a perverse joy in disliking something all the other. I know you like. do. I know. <laughs> yeah. So. I, th- I feel like we offset each other pretty well on the show. But anyway, and so I went and saw it, and there are parts of the movie that are amazing. Uh, in fact, I'd say the movie as a whole is pretty amazing. Uh, I don't think it's perfect, and I, th- and I just spent so much time... I think it's astounding, that movie, but I also don't think it's perfect. And for one reason, it goes back to us being comedy geeks, I don't think the French are as funny as we are. <laughs> I think there's certain things, there's certain elements of comedy in that movie that seem a little... Like broad. twenty years old, as yeah, well? a, yeah, a little those, old, like the tombstones. <laughs> well, yeah, the tombstones did, but right after the tombstones, the the American photographer I thought was just like, just really sort of corny, yeah, uh, and overdoing it. You've seen, you've seen the movie. I think we talked to it. You had seen it last time we you were on the show, and neither of us had, right? Oh, I think that's true. Yeah, I, I, I like the way that, that you phrase it: astounding but imperfect. I think yeah. that's exactly how I feel about it. It's a feat, and I'm really glad it exists. Yeah, and, and I'm it, happy I saw it. Yeah. it. It will likely be in my. We do our top ten the week before the Oscars. We like to do, like to do a long build up. Uh, it will likely so have time to see everything. Yeah, so I can see more stuff too. Um, day, I have a day job. It will likely be in my top ten, but it won't be my number one or two of the year. Yeah, I, it's my number. I'm going to say at this point fourteen. Okay, that's not bad considering I've seen a fair number of movies this year, like twenty. But uh, you had a little crisis. I had a bit of a crisis because that's the thing. I had built it up so much in my mind that literally the only way I could have been okay with this and myself is if I had loved the movie more than anything. (laughs) If I had like divorced my wife so I could devote my life to telling people about this movie. And so, like that's that really like that's how I had built it up in my mind because that's how much everybody else loved it, and it's like that's the only way I'm ever going to be as good as as everyone else and as smart. Uh, and so I, I came home and had basically a total breakdown, uh, 
And it was interesting when I call, and so I called David. I don't usually call you when I have my breakdowns because I don't want to freak you out, especially like at two thirty a.m. And um, I'm not. Uh, I I hope I did okay. I'm not good at being that guy. You know what? You did exactly what you should do. Because okay. here's and here's the thing. Uh, and this, I know, it sounds like a strange story, but like it's this is very much about the the social. We're talking very much about the social aspect of doing what we do. The minute I because st- you and I, all you did is start talking about the movie. Uh-huh. And started asking me what I thought about the movie. That's it. That's all you did. And that did the job. Because then I started talking about it and just having my natural reaction. The minute I stopped thinking about how I would be perceived and just started responding to it, uh-huh. uh, emotion like my crazy emotional breakdown went away. See, see that's, I how, that's how I, as a friend, real quick, you know, Amy, yeah. you and I are very new at being friends. But as we right. just, just very, I mean, uh, like, what, 20 minutes ago? Yeah, but we're now dear friends. <laughs> yeah. Dear, dear friends. Um, but here's my thing. I'm not good at the emotional part of being a friend. Mm-hmm. I make up for that where and I'm letting anyone who is my friend who is listening know. You need a ride to the airport. You need a ride from the airport. You need someone to help you move. If I can work in my schedule, I am absolutely there. Mm-hmm. No complaint. That's what I do because I am not good at, li- at being people's therapist. Well, you did very well there. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so that's the thing. is like It's so frustrating. There are times when I wish that I could just see movies in a void uh, in, in, in a vacuum where I don't have to worry about talking to other movie people or non-movie people about it. Well, I know Amy has something to say, but I want to say something real quick, too. You and I, um, being uh, this keeps coming up that we are not you know, full professional critics. We're mm-hmm. semi-professional, I guess. Um, and we don't really go to uh, festivals. Right. And I think this is that thing you're talking about with Holy Motors being a big deal at, at I guess, Cannes last year. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um that sort of thing happens all the time to people who don't go to festivals. You know, I was hearing about, um, I don't know, Beasts of the Southern Wild last year for a long time before I had any chance to see it. And of course I still haven't seen it, but, uh, <laughs> and that sort of thing happens. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that way. I mean, Sundance just ending now. You weren't there. No, I didn't go. Um, no, neither were we, but like now I feel like upstream color and ain't them body saints and the things that I've been hearing a lot about out of Sundance, like now are sudden are already getting that. Mm-hmm. I'm putting that pressure on myself already. Yeah. I don't know when, um, <clears throat> When when I see a movie and I walk out and then I realize that the tide worships it, I sort of tend to double down on my dislike because uh-huh. it's it, it's unfair to the movie itself. But I'll use an example: like when Drive came out last year, I thought Drive was completely tedious and inert. I didn't care about anybody in it. I didn't this care about you my and I are dear, dear friends. I know because I did not like that movie. It was terrible, and, and I remember stuck. I remember seeing it uh, with my boyfriend at the time, and like then we went and met a bunch of our film critic friends for dinner, and there were eight of us at the table. And we sit down and six of them were just talking about how much they love Drive. And my boyfriend and I were pretty aligned and we were just like, really? And we looked at them and they literally said, leave our table. And they were half kidding. Uh-huh. But when, when that sort of happens and there's like kind of this swell of it, then I find myself painted in this corner where I have to keep defending why I don't like a film. And then I believe even deeper in the reasons why I don't like a film. And then I'll yeah. start to hate something. Oh, yeah. And I, w- I could have just been on the lower end of neutral and I will hate a film. When the tide po- like swims way too much in that direction. Yeah, I, I will sometimes because uh, I keep lists. I, every movie I see that's released in a calendar year, I have a list, and I have every literally every movie I saw that year ranked from favorite to least favorite. Um, and sometimes I'll go back a few years to something like, like say Paul Haggis's Crash, which now I am convinced that I despise because <laughs> it like won the Oscar and it's uh, you know ArcLight employees favorite movie and stuff like that and i look at my list in 2005 and it's not like it's like high up on the list but it's about in the middle mm-hmm. for the year and i'm like oh i thought i hated that 
Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to keep yourself honest. Yeah. It really is. And I mean, like, I just, the drive thing made me so angry because, like, during that whole area, like, there was like this whole dinner party where everybody went to the Chinese restaurant that's in drive. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I will go to this. I will go to this. So we all went and drove like an hour to go to this Chinese where restaurant that's in drive. It's somewhere it's in on Sherman the Valley. Way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My Valley geography is pretty bad. Oh. And I just remember sitting there and sort of cattily talking about how I was really excited. That it was actually the Chinese restaurant. And I love you, man, which is true. <laughs> There's like pictures of Paul Rudd everywhere. I have, I've never seen. I love you, man. Oh, that's a good movie. I yeah. like it. Yeah, I know you like it. Yeah. Have you been to, the Chinese restaurant in Chinatown that has painted on the side of it. Um, uh, it says... Oh, the home of Rush Hour? It says... I, I'm trying to think because I was just in Chinatown. Um, and I just It says, number one bestseller movie Rush Hour starring yes. Jackie Chan shot here. <laughs> That's what it says. I have, and they have really good tangerine beef. Yeah? I, I went there once and I didn't like it very much, but now when I'm in Chinatown and I eat, I go to Empress Pavilion for dim sum because it's yeah. uh, place is awesome. I don't know if you've been to Empress Pavilion or if you like the whole dim sum thing where it's a huge, gigantic, loud room that like everyone's at the same level and it's just this din of like clattering plates and then people just people walking around shouting the name of the food that's in their cart and you can't un- I, I can't understand half of it, but I say yes, I'll take that. And somehow I managed to eat like ten things and it still comes to eighteen bucks. <laughs> I, I love going to that place. I, I love it in theory, but for some reason Chinese restaurants with dim sum use a lot of mayonnaise and I find that bewildering. <laughs> but I mean I have a question for you guys. Do you think that, you know, critic swells that sort of like push you in one way or another do you think they're more impactful when they're a positive swell or a negative swell is it harder to be the person who hates a movie everyone loves or to be the one who champions a movie everybody hates you mean for us individually I I think it's much harder to be the person who loves the movie that everyone hates because um, I I feel like it's easier when I talk about drive I can talk about the specific things in in its construction and its execution that annoyed me or or, or bore, bored me, but when I talk about, for instance, how much I love Avatar, which uh, I know there are people who love Avatar, but among I don't know how you feel about it, Amy. I think it's an achievement. Uh, I, I it was one of my definitely was in my top ten of of two thousand nine. It, it, I think it's a wonderful movie, but it's much harder for me to put into words the sort of intangible effect. And Cloud Atlas is kind of the same way. The 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 way that it affected me is 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 more emotional and primal so it's harder to articulate so i think it's more difficult for me to like a movie that everyone else hates i can but i can tell you i could spend the next four hours telling you why i hate wes anderson movies (laughs) i think for me it's hard to it's both of them are very difficult but for me it's hard to be the one who doesn't like obviously like with holy motors although again and again i don't dislike it number 14 out of probably 70 that's not bad and so um but nonetheless, like if I don't like something that other people just to- just totally love, people who have their they've got their bona fides, they've got their credentials, and then here I come along, just like, and, and I just feel. By the way, for listeners in the South, I apologize. I just feel like being like, well, I just didn't get it, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it's just not just not for me. Wait, did you see the, the Southland? No, just the South. Oh, I thought you said the Southland. No, no, that's because that's a different thing. That's a different thing. Yeah. It's very confusing. And so, um, that's that's how I feel when it's I just. Especially because I know that my my sensibilities tend to be more character driven and less experimental. There, are, you know, there are still experimental movies I I love and appreciate, but almost never as much as you know, like 2008. My favorite movie was The Visitor. 2009, my favorite movie was The Messenger. 2010, I don't recall. Oh, Bla- uh, Black Swan, which oh, I guess was. I wish, relatively. I wish it was The Black Swan. 
I just if, if oh, we're going to yes, continue your the your and then uh, then there was the Moneyball, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, you know, just stuff that's very character driven, you know, strong performances, usually fairly well written. Uh, if it's well shot, great. That's that's icing on the cake. And if it just if it hangs together and I do think there's a lot going on with Moneyball, it's Wally Fister and all that. But like um, but yeah, it's just. So if if there's something that's a little bit experimental uh, and everybody loves it because not because they and maybe they genuinely love it maybe they feel like they should love it who knows yes. but either way if i say i don't like it i just feel like i should just quit like see when that happens i have this i have this thing that i call emperor's new clothes cinema mm-hmm. like when you see that pylon i might make you guys mad at me here but like i was totally left cold by there will be blood mm-hmm. oh. and i feel like there will be blood is like this example of a film uh, Mulholland Drive is sort of another one. I was actually trying to say... my favorite movies of all time. I know, right sorry. <laughs> I guess the friendship's over. I was actually going to say Inland Empire, but that's what came out and said, where it's a film that looks so much like it's about something, and from like the cinematography to the sound design to everything, it's so loud and aggressive and intimidating that it is about something that I think everybody just lies and says they get it. And so uh, maybe I'm wrong, See, and, but, but, but when everybody but when everybody piles on about something like that, I just think they're all suckers, and then I keep my self esteem intact. With those movies, <laughs> um, which I love, but I don't think I would ever. This is something that Tyler you and I've talked about with Every Blood and with Vertigo is another example. Apocalypse Now, Apocalypse Now, like movies that we love, but I don't think we would ever say we get them. Part of I think the appeal. When I was younger, I would say I get them, but not right. anymore. Yeah. Part of the appeal is that we're not even sure that the director gets them that it almost sort of was channeled through him or her yeah he just felt like he had to there was something going on inside him that he had to do and he just did it and if you were to ask him like what did you mean by that he's like uh maybe this i'm not i don't know but uh, i mean that sounds like a really nebulous uh, uh dubious praise the other thing is that it also all feels of a of a piece mm-hmm. at least to me that that uh as as bizarre and assaultive and just like intensely weird as something like Inland Empire might be, it all feels like it's it's all coming from one place and it's all tied into the same thing. Even if David Lynch might not be able to tell you exactly what that thing is, and it at the all, moment it all comes from one yeah. compulsion or one impulse. And then at the same time, if there's a movie that I love that everybody else loves, part of me I do sometimes wonder, am I a sucker? Uh, but for example, my favorite movie of the year so far, and is un- until I see him more, it's unlike knowing me. Uh, it's unlikely to uh, to be unseated. My favorite movie is The Master. That's a lot of people's favorite movie, mm. and so um, and I responded to it for a number of reasons. But it, it, there is okay. I won't say who it is. There is a podcaster who who said uh, in regards to The Master, he's like, it's like, yeah, I get it. And he just said it like that. He's like, I get it. It's about, you know, like, uh, about how, like, religion, like, you know, really suckers people in. And part of me is like, are you fucking kidding me? That's the easiest thing to get. And even then, I don't think that's what it is. Yeah. That's like when I was, when I first saw Citizen Kane, and I said, like. At the age of seven. I wasn't, I was, I was 14. And even though I loved it, I thought I got it. Power, uh, power corrupts. That's it's like yes, it is about that, and maybe I'm going to say 28 other things, <laughs> yeah. and you and you and you think you get it because you you peeled and, off the and, top layer, and you think that for some reason Orson Welles spent all that money and time and made this two hour opus <laughs> about the most trite <laughs> like yeah. observation yeah. possible, and so um, 
so that's the thing. Is so, uh, and the Master is a movie that I I certainly feel like I don't totally understand, but I still respond to it very emo- in a very emotional way, and I respond to the characters even if I don't like them. And so there's a lot going on with that film, and that's the thing. Some people say like, oh, it's so beautifully shot. And it's like, and it is, yes, but I do think first and foremost it's about these characters, and they're incredibly well drawn and well acted and all that. And so. Um, so, you know, there's really no rhyme or reason to me. And, uh, and this is why, of course, I feel like a fraud. Um, you know, you know, I also take... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, like, kind of talking a little bit about the echo chamber thing for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that we haven't talked about that I think is so key to having this conversation is the actual website that is the echo chamber, which is Rotten Tomatoes. Uh-huh. You know, I think Rotten Tomatoes... Um, is agonizing for a lot of critics. Like, I've really been thinking about that a lot lately, um, especially in the last two years, because, well, and especially like after the Avengers thing happened, you know, where I was mm-hmm. the first negative review up there, is I think about that moment, because most critics put their own reviews into Rotten Tomatoes by themselves. And most critics, you know, if it's a five-point scale of stars, you know, a lot of films are a three. In that moment of deciding whether something is a rotten or a fresh is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And it gets harder when it's, like, earlier in the cycle of Rotten Tomatoes where you look and there's, like, ten reviews and, like, eight of them are negative, And you're sort of veering more positive, you know, and you're going to be, like, that person. Mm-hmm. And you know that eventually, like, the number will make sense. You know, but I do think there is a weird peer pressure to the Rotten Tomatoes system. And I do think it kind of weirdly slightly influences people. I think, like, I think it slightly pushes people more negative than they would be or it pushes them more positive because you kind of have to make that coin flip. For me, Rotten Rotten versus Fresh is almost uh, a third of the time sort of a coin flip. Is huh. it a slightly more good or slightly more bad? And do you think there's also, because we talk about the, the, the allure of contrarianism, do you think there's also a little bit of salesmanship there? And if you see nothing but positive and yours is kind of on the fence, yeah. and it's just like, well, if I'm the, if I'm the only negative review on there, People are definitely going to read it. Exactly. Like there's that as well, which there's is maybe a little that. cynical of me. But there's absolutely that, and then there's the fear of, well, I really want to go negative. But is everybody going to think I'm just going negative because of that? Like it's the layers of think about Rotten Tomatoes. I really feel like that's. I want. I really want like a bunch of critics just to sit down and unpack that someday. Like talk we'll, about how it affects all of we'll us. We'll have to be listed first on Rotten <laughs> yeah. Tomatoes. Step which, one, which we're not. Oh, um, well, uh, uh, Tim Ryan, get these guys on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I want to get back to that, but I actually wanted to talk about the um, liking something everyone else hates or disliking. I like occasionally, uh, and I'm not saying I'm dishonest about it, but I do take joy in occasionally being the, um, for lack of a better word, the Armand White, the guy who champions something that everyone else just dismisses as pure trash. Mm-hmm. I, I think my my one from last year was Snow White and the Huntsman, which I still stand by. I think it was a beautiful... You, you deserve to stand by that. Like that's a beautiful a, movie. That's a, I don't care about any of those characters, but <laughs> it's a beautiful film. Yeah. Did you see it? I, I agree. I don't know why people jumped on that film as much as they did. I think nobody gave it a shot. Yeah. Who went in, like that guy with the uh, no points for yeah. Gryffindor Zinger, people went in ready to hate Casey. Yeah, too. they went in a way... Everybody said she was so flat. I didn't find her flat at all. And I thought the design of it was beautiful. Yeah. 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 And it, I liked some of the... some of the it, From a character standpoint, there's not much, but I did sort of like some of the layers that they gave to the, the queen and all that. And so it's a perfectly serviceable film. That's yeah. like a... Out of five stars, that's like a three, three and a half star film. And I like a, a villain or, or, or villainess uh, just chomping at the scenery like that it's something that yeah. now i'm not going to go full snow white on hansel and gretel but i did actually have a good time watching hansel and gretel i didn't know you saw it yeah um 
He contains so many secrets and multitudes. <laughs> it's one of those, that. Uh, this will get into the thing. Uh, what I wanted wanted to talk about, which is how um, we think about this echo chamber and like normals versus uh, geeks when we write uh, a review. Because my thing is, I had a good time seeing Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, mm-hmm. but if I'm writing. If, if, if I think of my review, which uh, Scott re- reviewed it for the site, I didn't have to write one, but if I were writing a, view, a review of Hansel and Gretel, um, if I were actually thinking about is the point of my review to convince people, whether, to, to let people know whether or not they should go see it in the movie theater. Again, I enjoyed it. I would feel almost guilty if I told people they should go spend 13 bucks to see it. Uh, so when you guys are, what do you, what do you carry with you or what do you imagine as the readership when you're writing a review? It's it's interesting. I'm I'm also a theater critic in my in my other daily life, and one of the most important things somebody told me when I sat down to start being a theater critic is they said, "Here's the difference between reviewing theater and reviewing film. If you tell somebody to see a bad film, they'll still go and watch another movie that week. Uh-huh. You know, if you tell somebody to go see a bad play, they might never go to the theater again. <laughs> um, so I feel like with movies, like the bets are sort of off, and everybody's everybody's going to watch it on Netflix anyways at this point, <laughs> right? But I feel like, I don't know, I mean, that's like the huge question is like, are we Yelp reviewers or are we conversation starters? And we're kind of both. And like that, that boundary is really hard to, to pin down sometimes. Um, well, it's something I wanted to ask, actually ask you about, um, uh, partially because this is something I've been thinking about uh, getting in or, or trying to get into myself. Tyler and I write our reviews for BattleshipRetention.com. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's we curated this thing. We built this thing. We know who our readers are, so we kind of know who we're writing for. But uh, as someone who write, has written for, diff, uh, at what, uh, to what extent do you tailor the review to the uh, outlet? I think not enough. <laughs> uh, maybe <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Sometimes I think maybe I'd have a better luck getting at a, on a bigger mainstream site if I was more normal. Uh, I, I know, uh, I'm naming a lot of names, but this is uh, this is a positive thing. I think um, I think you and I have a friend in common in David Ehrlich. Oh, I love him. Okay, that's a guy I love talking to him about movies. He, I think he's someone that I um, have a lot of in common with in terms of this echo chamber thing. I feel like he and I appreciate a lot of the same things. But I noticed sometimes when he writes a review for Box Office Magazine, he's maybe focusing a little more on the the sort of industry and business side of things because that's it's yeah. box office magazine and you have to in the intro it's sort of like a format rule yeah 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 uh so uh, i guess that's an example of what i'm talking about but you already answered the question yeah yeah Do, yeah i i was trying to think of the answer for me like because I, I do not assume that people are going to see or avoid a movie based on my <laughs> my hem, my hemming and hawing for sixteen hundred words, um, and so uh, so I actually find that to be somewhat freeing. But at the same time, I do find myself I do recognize that I'm writing for an audience that probably listens to the podcast and probably has the same sensibilities as as you and I do. Um, and that's the thing, though I may like crap on some of my sensibilities is mainstream I still think that I demand much more from movies than most people do and so I assume that my readers do my readers our readers pardon me uh, I, I think I'm he's got a be... couple that belong only to him <laughs> yeah there's probably eh, yeah probably me although I some stuff I won't reread Jen I'm sure your wife <laughs> doesn't read anything that I write 
I don't think she reads anything I write. Um, so sometimes I'll write something incredibly negative and say, have I gone too far? <laughs> so. I don't think Natalie, my my girlfriend, reads anything that I write, and I am grateful for that. Yeah. I would hate to – just like I, I know she sometimes listens to this podcast. I don't – we don't ever, ever talk about it because mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of sitting down to do this podcast and having in mind specific people that I know – Anyway, well, I feel like we're getting off topic. Yeah, but it's but it is one of those things that like I in writing it I assume that like okay the people I I have a pretty good idea having having now met some of our listeners and knowing some of our friends and and writers and you and me like I think I have a pretty good idea of who's going to be reading this thing and what they want from a movie and uh, and so it's just like all right now I can now I can do this but part of me is like ah if this was for a more just you know is this for, if this was for Entertainment Weekly or something like that like. Certainly, it'd be shorter. But would I? Yeah, that's your. My problem is I uh, sometimes don't write enough. I mean, this is well. Awful. You write way too. You write not too many, but you write way more articles than I do. If I wrote as often as you did, I probably they'd probably be shorter as well. And so, um, but when you write one a, one or two a month, like I do, then yeah, I, go go crazy. I remember back um, before we really we were doing the podcast before we really started the website. I was occasionally writing for other uh, other places, mm-hmm. and I wrote a review of um what was it called the kevin smith um so two people make a porno i don't remember the name zach and mary zach and mary i was gonna say nick and no no uh, that's a different thing and i didn't care for the movie very much but i had to turn in a thousand words so i got to about 750 and said everything i wanted to say and i was like i guess the only thing i can do is spend another 250 words shitting on this movie because that's all i can think of to do so my review ended up becoming more negative because i had the this 1000 word uh, minimum. Anyway, this is I will shop talking, not I, part of the conversation. It's part. It is part of the conversation because it because it's about uh, you know who we are ostensibly writing for, uh, and so now I will say I don't really write a lot for my other website anymore. At this point, if I write something, it's for Battleship Pretension. But there was a time when I would write for more than one lesson as well, and because that is a an overtly Christian site, and while I myself don't have a problem with swearing, I want it to be a as family friendly as like a in depth movie discussion site can be, um, I want it to be that mostly because I don't want to scare any scare certain types of Christians away with language, and I don't want to give them a reason to not listen to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's just like I'm fine with not incorporating swearing into my articles uh, if it means they'll actually read them. And so, um, but I also I, I'll also probably get a bit more personal in those okay. because of the nature of more than one lesson. And so uh so I do actually realize that like there's a there's a chance that a slightly different audience might read those reviews. Again, it's I, been I, a long time since I've read I feel them. like this episode is getting in danger from both of us of becoming a little onanistic, but um I do want to mention you swearing in a review we heard what was it called the bigfoot tapes or something i think the final <laughs> Big, line bigfoot, bigfoot the lost coast tapes yeah yeah your, the final line of your review was who gives a shit which made me laugh <laughs> well it was the thing is you know uh at the end uh these characters declare it's not a bigfoot it's not a bigfoot and then it's like you're left with this question like well if it's not bigfoot what is it which then leads to the eventual question who gives a shit <laughs> and so that's yeah Sometimes right. you can use swearing and it can it works well. Yeah, I I like I can I, not, anyway. We should get back to the topic yeah, and not sorry. just talk about how we write reviews, but it's <laughs> no. like it's something I anyway. I'm a prude, but uh, and I think that I don't ever swear in reviews. 
but then I re- go back and read them and realize that I do, but I like have some justification for everyone. Well, I heard if you go back and look at your reviews and read the first letter of every sentence down, it's just nasty, nasty language. <laughs> oh, well, mine... mine mm-hmm. Oh, well, what, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Whatever you do, don't read them backwards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else uh, on this topic... Were there any other to- uh, subtopics we wanted to talk about? Well, here's a question. Okay. Uh, do you guys read other people's reviews before you write your own? No. no. Me neither. No. Does anybody? I'm sure there's somebody, but but yeah, I stopped do a you long know, time ago. I just said, do you know? Um, there are certain... Uh, I talk about the festivals, and so um, there are certain critics that I read always... And so I will often end up having read um, someone's re- review. Uh, and by someone, I usually mean Karina Longworth. I read everything that she writes. <laughs> she's and, fantastic. Yeah. And so I usually have read her review if she's in something at a festival. And then I will carry it with me maybe uh, much much later. But that's uh, that's a minor. Uh, I wanted to uh, briefly... Tell a few stories that are fun stories to tell uh, regarding talking to, uh, as Amy refers to them, normals. Um, <laughs> Am I in trouble for that? No, no. It's no, I fun. love it. It's, you know, norms, normies, as you like to call them. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and some of these stories I think I've incorporated into other articles or, or even on the show itself. But they're worth, they're worth retelling because, you know, what's fascinating, it, it I think, I'm not opposed to talking movies with people that don't love movies as much as I do because I find it does keep me humble. And while some would say that my self-hatred does that, um, <laughs> I feel like it, it keeps me humble in a good way. You, reali- you realize that there are more But, I mean, you know, I, I don't want this to turn into a therapy session. Like I said, I'm not good, <laughs> good at that. But you know your self-hatred is just another form of narcissism. Right? I do, very okay. much so. Yes, <laughs> yes. I've, wow. I've, We're, this friendship is really getting deep all of a sudden. I know. Well, this is what it's like being friends with me. I hope you're ready for this. Ever since that Holy Motors conversation... <laughs> So, um, but no, it's the, um, the, uh, so there was one story in which I was visiting friends in Denver and I was talking with a friend of mine who's a, who's a good friend. I've known him for, you know, 20 years now. And he, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um, and so I was eating with a lot of my old friends and, and he, you know, he likes movies. He doesn't love them. And so, uh, I mentioned, this was when I, when I was moving from being like a writer into a film critic, as far as what my goals were. And I said, you know, I really think that I, I want to pursue film criticism. And he's like, Oh, I was like, okay, here we, <laughs> here we go. And, uh, and I'm like, uh, what? He goes, ah, critics. I don't like him. I was like, okay. All of us. It, and I was like, he hasn't met me. <laughs> That's, well, I think, I, think we, I think you'd probably win him over, but I, I think you were going to say that you thought he had. Oh no, I'm sorry. And so, um, so he, uh, so he goes, he goes, ah, I don't like him. And then I, because it's a friend, I could be like, you know, I just told you just now that this is what I want to do, and that's how you responded. But uh, and then he, I said, why don't you like him? He's like, he goes, well, for example, and I was like, this should be fun. And he goes, and again, this is a good friend who I consider to be an intelligent person, but. Uh, he goes. He goes. You know that movie, Amelia? I said, yeah. He goes. I really wanted to see it. I said, okay. He's like, and then I read all these negative reviews, and now I don't want to see it. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> What's the problem? Like it missed. It, I got really confused. It's just like, what are you? And you're complaining about that. Like they yeah. saved you money and time. They convinced you. By the way, that's the thing. If it's one thing, if he said like, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't see it for a long time, and then I did because, and it turned out I liked it. Uh-huh. That'd be one thing. But no. He's just upset that they did what they were supposed to do, and he was convinced by it. And so it's I was like, just like, you know, I uh, think, oh, go ahead. Great episode, the great episode of The Critic, where Jay quits to become a truck driver, and then the other truck drivers, they all go to the drive-in movie, <laughs> and they see a terrible movie, and they say, if only, if only there was someone to tell us, <laughs> yeah. to warn us away from terrible movies. That's I, I think an awesome that's an episode. interesting point, actually, because what, what, what that makes me think of is something I always wonder about as a critic that I feel like I always have to kind of keep in check with, is the fact that we do see a lot almost everything and that we see almost everything for free <laughs> and I forget that movies cost money for other people and where I'm going with this is that I forget that other people don't have the same weight of seeing everything else that we do so I always want people to see something just to know how bad it is and then I realize that that's not economically a smart decision <laughs> right. to push on people but like no you should really go watch this like four times it's so good I kept going to see it over and over again and oh that's like 46 bucks but the paperboy's kind of worth it <laughs> I love oh you it. saw the paperboy I that's didn't see a, it that's a crazy ass movie there's a lot of things I like in it but man the Paperboy is a feat. It's that's you know I was saying that like the more I argue that a movie is bad because people are are pushing against me, mm-hmm. that movie I have convinced myself that I love it. Like it was like a medium, a medium positive when I first saw it for the first time, and now I think it's a masterpiece because I have to keep defending it against people. Did you see John Cusack in the film? <laughs> yeah, he's breathtaking. John I mean, C- in the sense that I found it suffocating, but yes. But uh, okay, well we'll move on to one of the one of these other stories that is delightful. Which is? Um, I don't so, think I'm sorry. I don't think I've ever heard John Cusack described as breathtaking. No, that really. Have me. you seen the Paperboy? No, I have not. John Cusack plays this redneck swamp murderer, uh-huh. and he murders swamps. Yeah, he murders swamps, <laughs> and he has this. He he really. I've never seen an actor so comfortable with looking repulsive. I mean, it's like what they do to him makeup wise is kind of what they did to Charlize Theron during Monster. Uh-huh. Like his hair's insane. He's gross. He like humps Nicole Kidman, and he tells her she's a bitch all the time, and like. It's horrific. Like, this is like America's 80s sweetheart. I appreciate his willingness to play the role. I'll say that. But I I feel like he's just, he should not have gotten cast. What sort Um, of a Svengali is Lee Daniels? He's a genius because, I mean, the thing is, Lee Daniels is like a complete pervert nutcase. And I don't know what's going on in his head. I'm sure it's disturbing. (laughs) But when you watch his three films, he has this way of convincing actors to do anything he says. He's like a cult leader. And you can say that he's a bad director because he likes to do things like, you know, in Precious, cut from a woman getting raped by her mom to, like, a pot of boiling ham hocks on a stove. Uh Uh, And here he cuts from, like, John Cusack, like, humping Nicole Kidman to, like, a dead alligator. You know, he's not a good director in that, that usual definition, but if a director is also defined as somebody who gets stuff out of their actors, he's the best that's ever been. Well, you've, uh... You've convinced me definitely. I want to see the Paperboy. It's yeah. a dollar right now at Redbox. Oh. Okay. Seek that out. Yeah. It is it's, you know, I, I did say that uh, in my review, I in the first paragraph I basically just listed a lot of the stu- a lot of the disparate elements of the uh, of the film and then just said like, you know, you got to give him one thing like when he's a he's not a director of half measures. He will he will go for it every single time. In a world of bland films, he is the antidote. There's something to be you know what, there's something to be said for that. He's he certainly isn't boring or, or forgettable. But um okay, so 
uh, a couple a few years ago, I was um, in Minnesota at like oh at my brother in law's like graduation, and so there are a lot of like family friends there, and uh, one of them not friends of your family. No, no, no. Uh, the yeah. So I didn't know anybody except. I heard Jen. your family has no friends. It's kind of true. <laughs> like my brother listens to this, and Matt, seriously, you got to get it together. So um, that's a joke. You got by the a way. house, Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> did anyone, anyone call your brother Matthew? Uh, yeah, I believe my grandmother did. Okay. So, um, oh, and his wife does. So, uh, so Jen introduced me to this guy who I think was like a neighbor or something like that. He was a very, very nice, friendly guy, uh, and apparently he really liked movies. This happens a lot, by the way. I don't know if it happens to you guys, where people be like, "Oh, you should talk to this person. They like movies too," and it's just like, uh, isn't that like they like oxygen? <laughs> yeah, but like it's well, okay. Uh, and so, so I talked to him. And he was a very nice guy, and he seemed very interested in, in you know what I had to say. He was asking me about like, "Oh, what about this movie? What about this movie?" He said like. And I mentioned my top ten. He's like, "Oh, what's your top 10? So I started listing. He's like, "Oh, I saw, oh, I like that one." And oh, I didn't see that one. Then I say, "Doctor Strangelove," and then he responds with, "Oh." <laughs> okay. So for those, I don't know how that might have come across. I think it came mic. across. Okay, it's a little raspberry. raspberry. Yeah. So he, he liked it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And he's like, "Oh, that movie. I didn't. Oh, I did I hated that movie. I thought it was awful. That movie is just nothing." And just and again, now I wasn't as comfortable saying this, so I didn't. But my response response would have been somewhat like with my friend. I would have been like, "You know, I just now the reason you were, you were saying that at all is because I just brought it up as one of my favorite <laughs> films, and you feel totally justified in saying that um, and being so, uh, very dismissive, aggressively." So dismissive. why didn't you like it? Uh I think he said he just thought it was boring and he didn't get it. Because this, we should wrap up soon. Uh, Amy's got a hard out here. Um, That's right, yeah. uh, Hard out, that makes it sound so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, See, if you you had your own podcast, you'd know these podcasting terms, hard out. I learned so much with my new friends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The one thing that I wanted to bring up earlier in the conversation got away from it, but um, the idea of, I'm, I, I work, I mean, I said I work an office job, but I work tangential to the industry. Uh, but when, when I first moved out here, I, were, I was very much in the, in, I was doing PA work on movies uh, that people have heard of, uh, such as Beowulf. Um, and that was such a shock to me to find out how many people worked in making movies and know nothing about them. Like, never heard of Sergei Eisenstein or the Battleship Potemkin, which was the obviously the namesake uh, inspiration for this program. But one of the one of the uh, sound guys on Beowulf uh, was saying that he, he was like, oh, he's like Doctor Strange. He's like, I saw that as a as a kid, and I liked that. I tried to show it to my kids the other day. Does not hold up. So slow. Wow, <laughs> that's what he was saying. And, yeah, uh, and did you tell him his kids are dumb? <laughs> that was him. For all I know, his kids love. Yeah, him, maybe so. his kids. Yeah, and so, and that's and so that's the thing is like so while I was and we continue to have a perfectly fine conversation, but the uh, but like in that moment, just I realized like it, like my 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 pride was wounded a little bit. Then I was just like, you know, this guy's like a like you and I have talked about. I think this guy was like a doctor or something like that. And so it's just like, well, I can't say this guy's dumb because I can't save right. anybody's life. That I know of, yeah. and so like, so not and, even and your own, especially not my own, and so I'm just a mess, David. And the uh, and so the last story is one that I I, uh, 
it's been a long time since I've told it on the on the show, but it's an instance with my wife who, while she does enjoy uh, film, she's not like me, and she'd be the first one to say it. Um, but uh, years ago, so Amy, a little bit of background. My wife and I are both Christian, and um, and years ago, when Passion of the Christ came out, a movie that I did not respond really well to. Um, but there was a lot of pressure in the Christian community to to love that movie. Um, and if you didn't love it, like people are like, well, what's what's wrong with you? You know that kind of thing. And so we we saw it pretty late, so there was already a lot of a lot of stuff associated with it. And then I. Uh, so we went and saw it, and then when we came out, I saw that my wife was was crying a little bit, and I found myself left pretty cold by the movie compared to like *The Last Temptation of Christ*, which I loved. Um, and so I said, but I thought, oh, she's she's crying. Okay, so she was probably affected by this, so I should probably okay. And so, um, and so she, so I said, uh, I said, you know, how, are you doing okay? And she said, I fell asleep. <laughs> And she, and she was crying because she fell asleep. She like she thought herself a bad, like a bad Christian because there's so much pressure put on her. Oh. Uh, and so I felt terrible for her. And she's just like, "How can I? How do you fall?" Asleep? It's like it's like making out during Schindler's List, you know, when, in, on that Seinfeld episode. Well, in her defense, she already knew it was going to happen. Well, it's admitted. Yes. Okay. And uh, yeah, they really didn't ramp up the mystery part of it very much. And so. Um, and so she's like, well, what did you what did you think of it? Did you love it? I was like, no, I thought it was, you know, two and a half stars at best. And she's like, really? And she just, and it was a, it was a really two and great. two and a half stars out of ten, maybe. Maybe. I really don't like that movie. I know you don't. <laughs> um, and so uh, so she, you know, and I don't mean to make her, her sound bad or anything, but one, and I found myself saying something that to that day I had never really said, which was, it's just a movie. Like, I love movies more than almost anything else, but it's just a movie. And... And there are movies that I think can like change the way you think, change the way you feel, change your outlook on life in general. But at the end of the day, it is just a just a movie, and it's no more important than anything else. And that's something that I feel like we may lose lose track of in the bubble that we that we are a part of. I think that's a pretty good place to wrap this up. Um, Thanks, guys. Well, you're you're both just movies. Uh huh. That now I don't know. That sounds like something. It sounds like a curse. You're just a movie. It was nice to meet you. <laughs> um, uh, uh, well, real quick, you can find us, uh, as we mentioned a billion times this episode, um, at battleshippretension.com. That's where you can read our, our reviews and tell us what you think of the way we write and who our audience is supposed to be. Um, and also, um, you can you know donate there. You can listen to the podcast. You can do all, all sorts of stuff, including listen to our uh, fellow fleet member podcasts such as the Autorcast, on which you were recently a guest. Ah, uh, yes. Hello, Rudy. Uh, and West. And West. Hello, uh, West. West. Doctor West. West. Yeah, that's right. West is who we have read our uh, read the reviews, and then we post. Oh, that in our he team. has a voice for radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's at battleshippretension.com. You can email me and Tyler uh, David at battleshippretension.com or Tyler at battleshippretension.com. I'm on Twitter at the Pretension. Tyler's on Twitter at More Lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. And my other podcast, when I start doing it again, is the television review show previously on. That's previouslyonshow.com. So other than the auteur cast, Amy, where can people find you on the internet? My favorite place to find me right now is at Twitter, the Amy Nicholson. That's it. That's me. That's my one-stop <laughs> shop. All right. All right. Well, uh, that's... Or if you're ever in Koreatown, you can stop by my place, bring me a beer. Yeah? Yeah, that's cool. It's, uh, ask me on Twitter where I live, and then I'll bring, bring me some beer, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
That's it. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.